0: Now this is Hollywood Unlocked. Yo, it's Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. I'm Jason Lee. Hey, it's DJ Damage. Uh, Melissa's still not here, praying that she's uh, making her way back soon. Um, so Damage, uh, I'm in my kitchen. I see. Black Brands Matter. Uh, thank you to everybody that supports this black brand. What does that say? Sleep is for we billionaires?
1: Billionaires. We working. I'm, we hustling. I'm still woke
0: then. I'm nowhere I'm near that. that. Um, but yeah, first of all, if you're listening to this on uh iTunes, please make sure you're also listening on Spotify, Google Play, iHeart, and you're watching on YouTube. That's right. Because that's where we are. Um, so what's been going on with you, man? I know the protests seem to be dying down.
1: I don't well, are they really dying down? I know here a little bit, but I feel I mean, they're like not burning, they're not burning shit up anymore. The rioting has died down a little bit, but I think we're still looking for justice for Brianna Taylor. So until that uh Until that happens, you know, we're still fighting. We're still making our voices be heard because we need justice for her. My fear is always that when stuff like this happens, that people just kind of get up in the emotion of the moment
0: and then it dies down and goes away. Like the the protesting and the involvement in politics and everything should not die down as long as racism or, you know, bigotry still exists. So what do you think it's going to take to keep people motivated to keep on
1: going? To be honest, Jason, I feel like people are motivated. Like every platform I see that usually is full of whatever gossip or things that could be distracting. They're using their platform to keep people aware, people up to date, to keep the uh, the messaging going. So I just feel like I think we're all at a point where it's like, what is our plan? What are we doing next? And if you see what they're doing in the NBA where a lot of players are like, I'm not ready to come back. I'm ready to take that sacrifice and keep this movement going. I feel like that's where it's going now. We're becoming more systematic and trying to have more of a plan. Um, but I don't feel like it's necessarily dying down. Do you feel like it's dying down? I don't think that it's
0: dying down overall.
1: I do think, though, like, I, I,
0: what I love is that right after it started, the temperature started to go down, like, social media, we see the stats. So, like, the the energy on social media has changed. It's still there, but not, like, right when, you know, George Floyd was murdered or whatever. Mm-hmm. My, my, my initial concern was, like, okay, people are going to just go back to – usual, you know what I mean? And, and then I started seeing people say, okay, wait, don't forget about Brianna Taylor. And then I started to see, you know, more stuff in the news with Rashad, uh, Brooks. And, um, I, I love that people are still keeping the conversation going. It's also to me important to say that, uh, remember there've not been any convictions yet, like arrests no. are not convictions. And so no. if, if in any way you, you know, decide to quit and to give up, you know, um, advocating for justice. Remember, justice is yet to be served. So the work is not done. And November is coming and we have to change the the course of this country come November.
1: We have to vote. And I feel like uh, a lot of these businesses are uh, somewhat lucky that everything's not really back to normal, because I feel like if it was a lot of these things that we are now aware of and people are feeling more empowered to speak on, a lot of these companies would be, quote unquote, canceled. You know, I think people will be going back to work and seeing the systemic racism that they deal with in their everyday life. And I feel like because things are somewhat closed down, some of these companies are getting a pass is putting out these little remarks or pretending to be woke or with the movement. But I feel like a lot of the day to day stuff, I do feel like when we do get back to normal, there's going to be more things that's going to be coming out, more outrage. And like you said, there hasn't been any convictions yet. And if there won't be... I do feel like we're going to be back out on those streets hitting harder than before.
0: Yeah, and I and I just hope that people are listening and just, you know, again, I know this show is usually full of ridiculousness. I know, right? And look, we're going to get there again. But I also had my own eruption of consciousness. Come on. Um, no, no Amanda Seals. Um, I've had my own eruption of consciousness where I've had this emotional journey of really... You know, Al Sharpton's on the show and he had said something at, um, at um, George Floyd's funeral in Houston where he said that, the, you know, get your knees off our necks, that, you know, the knee is still on our neck in education, in health services and also in credit, just in things that are, that should be um, available to everybody equally, you know, for us it hasn't been. And even though I think I've known it and, uh, you know, I've had my own experiences with racism it hasn't impacted me the way this has because I'll share with you, I was thinking about my journey of what I want to do and what I built and why I built what I built. And when I talk to people and they say, oh, man, I'm inspired by what you've done and I wish I could be as successful as you. And when I think about what does the end look like for me, I don't even know where the end is because the finish line, as I've said, it keeps moving. And that just keeps bothering me that. That nobody can give me a straight answer, and I've talked to everybody. I've had just in television. I've talked to had a really productive call with Terrence J. I've reached out to Nick Cannon. I've talked to Mona and other Black content creators, and I'm just like, okay, you can't just keep waving the one nigga you let in over our head as a as a uh, as a as as the ideal that you believe in providing opportunities equally to Black creators, you know and so i know i've been having this whole evaluation of like where do i want to go what do i want to do and not with the it on the basis of my restrictions or what the world says i can and cannot do but like where i can't do it with them go do it for myself you know so it's been one of those things where it's been an interesting journey for sure and george floyd's death i know has impacted me beyond just you know going to a protest like it's getting active and spending my time literally trying to
1: help No, absolutely. And like we said before, we need justice for Breonna Taylor. We can't let that um, go silent. We have to keep fighting. We need to keep making noise for that. And I feel sad because a lot of black women out there saying, you know, it's not as much um, outcry for Breonna Taylor. So I want to make sure we use our platform here and keep pushing that and let them know that we, we got their back. And shout out
0: to different celebrities. I saw Queen Latifah and different people post a video uh, reminding people that Brianna Taylor's officers, the officers that killed her, had still not been mm-hmm. arrested. Shout out to Angie Martinez and Angelique Yee, who interviewed her, her mother and shared the story about how she found out that she died. And it was really emotional that, you know, all the time they were given a runaround, all those hours, her daughter's dead body was still in the apartment. And I think that if people can just connect to it being their child, you know, connect to it being somebody that you love and how would you feel and how would you want other people to feel? And so I'm just really, um, I'm just really uh, glad that, you know, people are still keeping it alive. But again, there's not been any convictions. There hasn't been any elections in those communities of people to help change the discourse of their communities. And and again, November is coming up. And I would just say, regardless of what you think about voting, just do it just because it may help. Just do it because it may help. If you don't believe in it, you don't believe your votes count, you don't believe in the electoral process, you believe it's all a sham, you believe it's a conspiracy, you believe they've already decided whatever you believe, still go and vote anyway. Because at least you try, right? Get out we got to make our voices be heard now so, more than ever. So Reverend Al Sharpton is on the show. He's been somebody who I've seen since I don't even know, since I was a kid, out here in the streets fighting for um, the you know, our black lives. What do you what do you think about Al Sharpton? And what what have you, um, have you followed his career?
1: Yeah, I mean, Al Sharpton is somebody that's been prevalent in the media and the black community since I could even remember. Since I was probably three, four years old looking at television, Al Sharpton was out there um, fighting for the things we're fighting for today. And I think it's good to have some of those people from the past generation still here present because they've seen how far we've came. And I feel like to know where you're going, you got to know where you came from. And I think we are honored, however anybody feels about our Sharpton, to have somebody around that has been pushing this agenda consistently throughout his whole, dedicated his whole life to it. And I'm really just um, I'm excited that he's on the show today and I'm happy that we still have him here more than ever, because now I feel like, like you said, the eruption of consciousness, a lot of people are waking up and we need people that have been there and have been fighting that fight for a long time to help guide us, help guide that energy. So we're not just aimlessly doing things, you know? Yeah. And I wonder what he thinks about what's happening today, especially with the boom of social media
0: and being able to see, you know, so many people from different walks of life participate in this movement, um, in this civil war that's happening in our country and around the world. So it'd be good to have him here. And um, I might as well. Let's just talk to him now. Let's get to him author, host, uh, minister, and civil rights icon, Reverend Al Sharpton. Reverend Al, thank you for making time for us today. Thank you. Well,
2: thank you, Jason, and thank
0: you, Damage, for inviting me. I appreciate oh, it. Of course, and the, and the invitation is open, so anytime you want to come back, we would love to have you because um, just in pre- preparing for today's interview, which I won't lie, we don't prepare for many interviews, we get on here, we have a lot of reckless fun, and you know, we never know where the show's going to go, and so... <laughs> But for you, because you've been such a um,
2: well, people I mean, warn me about you, Jason. Say you do uh-oh. a lot of damage.
0: You y'all do a lot of damage. <laughs> let, me you, let, me you, let me tell you something. I was doing my research today because you know I don't. I had to prepare. I said I got to get this one right. We had Senator Maxine Waters on recently. I said Auntie Maxine, come on, Uncle Al. We got We got We got to do it right <laughs> it the right way. Because I feel like we're living in times right now where you know, we love entertaining people. We love making people laugh. And at times we love being messy, but the world is in a weird place. And so, you know, it it took, uh, we we recently had Amanda Seals on where she talked about folks having this eruption of consciousness. And I had my own eruption of consciousness where I had built this massive platform and wasn't using it all the ways that I can. You know, there's times to be responsible. And I think we live in a time right now where we have to be A little bit more responsible with what's happening you know and and sharing our platform to um, elevate those conversations exactly
2: well and i and i think the reality is that you're in entertainment and you do what you do and have built a big platform but the reality is that you and damage don't know that ahmed aubrey might have been one that listened to your podcast or George Floyd might have been one that watched y'all on video. So you're looking out for the people that make you, you. And that's how real it is. So at some points we got to pause and say, wait a minute, the people that helped me build me into being what I am, I want to make sure that they're safe and protected. So that's all part of the journey.
0: And also pay respect to people like you who've dedicated their whole lives to making it an opportunity for us to even be here and have a broadcast and be in people's homes and cars and online. And and so, you know, we we just appreciate everything that you've done. You selfishly uh, uh, or unselfishly have dedicated your whole life to this movement. And so I wanted to ask like, wh- how did you decide it? Was, did you know that this was your calling or was this just, how did you decide that you were gonna dedicate your whole life to this? Well,
2: you know, I started in uh, the Church of God in Christ as a kid. My, my parents brought me to the church, and when uh, I was a junior usher when I was three years old. And you know, you hand out the programs and you help seat the people and you act like you know what you're doing, but you're three years old. And they had an anniversary for the junior ushers the next year when I was four. And everybody was sitting around with the adult advisor, and uh, they said, Would you want to do an anniversary? My sister wanted to sing. Uh, Ronnie Dyson, who later became a big singer on Broadway, made the hit in the 70s, If You Let Me Make Love to You, I Cannot Touch You. That's way before y'all's time. But he was in the church with us, and he wanted to read a poem. I said I wanted to preach. They all laughed. She brought me to the bishop. He let me preach from the 900 people. So by the time I was seven, I was doing Everybody's Youth Day, Mahalia Jackson, the Gospel Icon. Heard about me, put me on a couple of programs. So I knew I wanted to be a minister. I felt that was my calling. I'm preaching before I could read and write. But for some reason, I didn't want to do it the way they were doing. I kept watching the news, born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. And I kept seeing Reverend Martin Luther King, Reverend Adam Clayton Powell. I said, I wanted to be like that. And uh my father left when we were 10, when I was 10, and my mother had to move into projects. We lost the house, lost the Cadillac. And uh, she was afraid that I wanted to be in this movement stuff that I would get with some, quote, militants and leave the church. So she brought me the guy who was Dr. King's uh, chapter leader in Brooklyn named Reverend William Jones. And he and Reverend Jesse Jackson, both of them were older than me, said, no, we'll keep him in the church and in the movement. And it fit like a glove. And I've been in it ever since, since I was 12 years old. Under Reverend Jones, who's passed now, and Reverend Jesse Jackson. So I grew up doing this, and you know, you you don't know your call until you get there, and it's mm. like it's like punching in the password, and your uh, iPad lights up or your computer turns on. You know when you got it wrong because it don't turn on, but when you got it right, everything comes on, and I just knew it,
0: and it's been on ever since. See, I've recently watched you, um, and again, I've seen you for years. I've watched you for years consistently uh, push the same message, consistently consistently tap into the same vein I think that we all have as Black people that want to be treated fairly or equal. And, it's, you know, there's not a – I haven't seen a lot of people in my time be as consistent, but now we start to see with social media a lot of people – are are doing their own form of activism. What do you what, when you look at what's happening today, especially with social media, and you look at when Martin, Dr. Uh, Dr. King, and Jesse Jackson, you and all the icons um, and Malcolm X were doing it. What do you see as changed, and what do you see is working, not working, or what should we all be doing?
2: I think that everybody does what is available in their generation. So. Like when I was a kid and, and coming up as a youth organizer, I thought the guys older than me didn't understand. Uh, uh I remember when cell phones came out and they were still on rotary phone. Yeah. And uh, then uh, they, they and, and we'd laugh at them and we went to cassette tapes and they were still with 45 records. So, I mean, so that it's new methods today, social media, but be assured, in 10 years, they're going to be old to the, your kids or your mm-hmm. grandkids in 20 years. Nothing stays. What we must do is use whatever is available and whatever time we're in to get our message across. And and, and don't get stuck. Because I remember when we were doing uh, the Trayvon Martin movement, everybody was talking about the millennials. And now they're talking about Generation Z. The millennials is old. I mean... Don't get caught up on what you where you are in the journey. Get caught up on making the journey till you get where you have to go. Because we need everybody. And we need the old heads that know what happened and know what uh how to stay focused. We need the young people with the energy. And the old heads need to not get in their way and the and the young heads need to not try and discount the old heads because we need the wisdom and we need the energy. Uh,
1: Reverend I, uh, you talked about uh, the, the differences and in- in the past and, and now what's going on today. How do you feel about the narrative that goes on where they say, uh, today we lack leadership in the black community? We always said
2: that. You know, when Martin Luther King was alive, they said there was no leaders. When Malcolm was alive, they said there was no leaders. There wasn't but three or 400 people at Malcolm's rally when he got killed. Uh, we have a real problem in the black community damage of uh, we love leaders when they dead and kill them when they're alive. That's a uh, uh, part of the self-hate, and I don't know any leader. If you study back to Frederick Douglass, the guy came out uh, last year with a huge book on Douglass. They condemned him all the way, and this was in slavery time. You can't go out there based on how many people going to say I'm with you. You got to go out there knowing that you are doing it because you can't help yourself. I've called marches where we had a hundred people. I've called marches where we had three hundred thousand people. It is not the crowd; it's the aim do you get something done and we've got to change these police laws just like we change racial profiling laws just like we change voting laws and not get caught up uh on on the thing the other the, the 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 detractors the other thing is i was blessed that when i was 18 years old uh that young man joined my youth group i had a young civil rights group called national youth movement named teddy brown he's from georgia and uh he hung with us a while He got killed in a car accident, and his father was the godfather so James Brown. And Teddy and I were the same age, Jay Brown came to New York and wanted to do a memorial for him, did a concert, gave the money to my youth group, and me and him became father and son. I became like Teddy. He lost, uh, who was the same age, though he had other kids, and he became like the father that had left me when I was 10. And one thing James Brown drilled in my head more than any of my minister mentors is you got to march to your own beat, Reverend. He said, I I mastered music on the one three beat, not the two four. He said that's what he would always talk about. Get it on the one. It's not on the one. I didn't know what the one was. I didn't know about music. But I would be sitting up with him, hanging out in the studios. He'd take me around the world. Nobody treated me like that. And he taught me march to your own beat. So when I started emerging in my own uh, activism, I have my own style, my own everything. They do cartoons and all. But all I could hear is James Brown in my head, march to your own beat. Do your own thing, do your way.
1: And if it's working and it's effective, that's what you do. I wanna to touch on something <laughs> you said. Uh, you talked about self-hate. Uh, I follow uh, Tariq Nasheed. He has a show called Hidden Colors. I don't know if you're aware, it's a great show. Um, he was talking about how this self-hate that we have is somewhat programmed. How do we reprogram the system? Because I feel like this self-hate uh, is getting our way of having real progress. I think he's
2: absolutely right. Uh, and I think the way we've got to reprogram it is we first got to identify it. What happens when you go to a doctor with ailment. They first have to do a diagnosis and they have to say, this is the problem. Self-hate is the problem. We put more criticism on black leaders with, who don't have any power. In terms of government, then we do white leaders with power. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, what's wrong with the problem? What well, the problem is the black caucus ain't doing nothing. The problem is Sharpton and them ain't doing it. We never blame the governor, they don't even know the governor's name. And he's the one that's got the state power. You ask the average person criticizing, what's your mayor's name? What's your a state representative's name? They don't even know. Yeah, but they know to cuss out somebody that they heard because we're programmed to blame each other for being down rather than to blame those that are
0: keeping us down and to uh, to really push ourselves to move forward. I recently I recently saw a video where a group of black people were saying Obama didn't erase racism, and I'm like, Obama could not erase racism, right? And I and I didn't understand. I mean, I understand the frustration because I know what it felt like to work on uh, Obama's campaign and and to and to see him get elected. I know what that meant. I'm sure it meant something to you having, you know, lived in an era where it probably seemed impossible. But don't you think that that's unfair for people to be mad at Barack Obama or or the Obamas for not erasing racism?
2: Barack Obama uh, was president. He was not king. He had to fight like hell to get anything done. And got the Affordable Care Act, got a lot of other things done that no other president did. Affordable Care Act alone helped 23 million people get health insurance and never had it. Disproportionately black, fighting to keep voting rights for us, where they were turning some of these states into vote IDs and all. He did that for us. On and on and on. He would meet with us and tell us: look, this is what we're trying to do, y'all. Go out there and force this. The thing that you do as president, you don't set the agenda of the community. You let the community set the agenda and you try to get it done. We wanted Obama to march on himself. He don't lead the marches against the president. He was the president. And I think that a lot of us got the role mixed up that he's supposed to have done everything. He can only do what he can do and then get the Senate and the Congress to go along. I think he did a tremendous job, and I defended him and stood with him. And and I didn't expect him to go down to Florida and blow up Trayvon Martin. That was my job, or to deal with uh, Eric Gardner. That was my job. And once we blow it up, we expected him to respond and get the Justice Department to come in and deal with it, like whoever's president next. And let me tell you something. Trump ain't doing everything white conservatives want, but he's responding to it. So a lot of people are talking about uh, Obama don't understand what the roles are. We all have different roles to play. And if everybody plays
0: their roles, we all move forward. It was George Floyd's funeral where you, you said a lot of things that really just, I think, turned the dial up for me to really, like, focus on what you're saying, every detail of what you're saying. And like I started to say earlier, I've heard you speak a lot, and I don't know if it's because the eight minutes and 46 seconds have shaken something in me to where now I'm ultra sensitive to everything. But you said that you're the blow up man. And I think, you know, when we look at you and Dr. King and Jesse Jackson and Malcolm X, I think we're conditioned to look at you all to fix it all. When, yeah. really, when really, I think you're shaking it up, you're, 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 you're blowing it up and you're educating people on what they can do. But everybody has to get that sense of ownership, right, yeah. of, of the solution. And so what do we do to get people to just to stay locked into that, that, like, we can watch what you're doing and listen, but we all have to act in unison and be behind you and support those um, those things? They need to get involved, if not our National Action Network and some group in their
2: community or form one. They need to be uh mm-hmm hooked up. Now with the internet, you have no reason not to be on everybody's page seeing where the hacks are. We're doing a big national march, August 28th in Washington. People need to come. Why? We still, we have the police charge, for example, in George Floyd. But we don't have them indicted yet. We don't have a trial date. We don't know whether they go to trial like we got Zimmerman. When I went to Florida, they wouldn't even arrest Zimmerman.
0: We got him arrested, charged. He got acquitted. We, well, we, can't, we, saw, we, we saw one of the officers out buying Oreo cookies the other day. That's right. So we,
2: we can't let our guard down. We got to keep going to these rallies, keep going to these marches. We have to vote. I was asking some uh, brothers the other day when I went down to uh, Tulsa. I said, y'all going to vote? Well, Red Mayor, you know, that's your thing. I said, oh, I thought y'all were mad about the police kill a terrorist crush out here. So, yeah, man, we still mad. I said. Well, you know, if you uh, were on the jury, you think you'd have voted guilty? I said, damn right, I'd have voted guilty. I said, you do know you have to be a registered voter to be on the jury, right? <laughs> so I didn't know that. That Stuff like that we can do. Register to vote. Vote. Get on these juries. Be an organization. Everybody ain't got to get out front and make the 6 o'clock news, but everybody can be responsible. And don't do it for Maxine Waters or Al Shopping. Do it for your kids. Do it for you. I've never fought for anybody that was already in the movement. It wasn't members of my organization. It was always somebody that never thought it could happen to them. And that's who the next one would be. And that's what we got to understand. Absolutely.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Gandhi that said we have to uh, become the change we speak.
2: Yeah, you got it right. Mahatma Gandhi.
1: How do you feel about the basketball players? Some are... um, Considering taking a stand of not going back into the league um, because they feel like it's going to be a distraction, do you feel like that's um, is that a a a, per, a good way of protesting? Do you feel like that would help create change and help the narrative that's going on right now? I
2: think that it would certainly draw a lot of attention, and I think that it shows that it hits them in the pocket. I would salute them, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I said at the uh, second uh, eulogy for George Floyd that we still should be rallying around Colin Kaepernick apologizing, the head of the A- NFL commission apologizing, I don't mean nothing. Give the man his quarterback status again, because he took that knee for us. He didn't take that knee for him. He took it for us. And we should leave him out there. And I don't even know Colin Kaepernick, but I stood up for him because what he's doing is right. And when athletes or entertainers sacrifice their income
0: and sacrifice their commercial value, the least we can do is back them up. Hmm. Well, I've been, I've been, talk, I've been talking to Kaepernick's organization, and I know he's working out every day, waiting for the call. Um, my fear is that right now, like the commissioner, NFL commissioner's uh, apology, and all these companies that all of a sudden had this, uh, you know, this this whole uh, they, they woke now about what's happening, want to do everything. But uh, do you think some of that is just? it's out of guilt, not that I care because trust me, I'm guilting every white person that I've dealt with into something. Um, but do you think that's out of guilt or do you think they're just trying to stay away from the smoke or, or what do you think I it think is? I think it's a little of both. There's some guilt.
2: A lot of it is, let me calm this down until it phases out the news cycle goes somewhere else. That's why I wanted to challenge the commissioner right there when we knew we were on live TV globally Get a man his job back. Don't think we are going for the apology. It's easy. I'm sorry. And leave things as it is. Well, if you're sorry, make sure the man goes to work. I remember when I was young, Muhammad Ali wouldn't go to the war. We never felt we won till we saw him back in that ring again. I don't feel we won till we see Kaepernick on the
0: field you also said during that eulogy, which I thought was really powerful. People haven't seen it, which I think the whole world did. They need to go back and look on YouTube. You said that George Floyd died from common American uh, criminal justice malfunction, and and I thought that that was a, a I thought that was powerful. And the fact that now everybody's talking about defunding the police. What do, what do you stand on that? I think that we
2: definitely have to reimagine what policing is. When we say defund them. We mean deconstruct the way the funding is now. Put money in mental health. Put money in dealing with how you deal with the homeless. Put money in training. Put money in neighborhood uh, youth program. All of these problems could be solved if you distributed the money where it's more with human services and development, and not just pouring money into policing that don't work. We had over a hundred people shot in Chicago just last weekend, Father's Day weekend. You don't need more money in the same way. You need to get on the ground and, and put the
0: resources
2: there and turn these communities around.
0: And so, so and I think that's why I got confused with defending the police, because somebody called me and said, can you endorse removing police out of schools? And I was thinking about school shootings, and I was thinking I wasn't really prepared to give a endorsement for that, because I didn't know what that meant. But what do you think that means? Do you think we should take people to schools?
2: I think that we should have people in schools that are not necessarily just walking around with guns, but that are trained to secure the schools, but also they can can deal with sessions with kids. I remember when when I went to school, i tell you my father left when I was 10. And uh, uh, I remember that one of the, the best things that happened to me was there was a guy at the school, Ralph, we call him Ralph the Cop. He would sit and uh, take me for pizza every day and talk to me about how you feel about your dad ain't there, how you feel you ain't got a private house no more, you in in the uh, projects. He was a white guy. And he said, well, you know, I grew up in the project. And this guy related to me. That was better than throwing me up against the wall, telling me to behave myself. Mm-hmm. We need to train people like that in the school and let them be the security, but let them have a different kind of
0: agenda of relating. So on President Trump, still not commenting on the eight minutes and 46 seconds and the whole conversation that was happening after Biden spoke to Charlemagne about, you know, uh, if you vote for Trump, you ain't black. What do you think about that? Because at this point, I only see one option. Like Trump is not even I don't even understand what we're talking about when we're when we're talking about whether we're voting for Biden or Trump, because I think where most of us forget is when we elect people in or the, the elect the, uh, the um political process is not just at election time it's before election time it's during election time it's after election time it's a continual process so what do you think about uh, all that conversation that was happening you know i i met trump in the
2: 80s and because uh, both of us are new yorkers and he used to have uh fights down atlantic city because he had the uh the contract for the big constitution hall or convention in atlantic city so don king was promoting and he had to Deal with Trump to get Mike Tyson fights there. I knew Tyson well, knew Don King well, so I used to go to all the fights. And uh, so I got to know him. And he's a businessman, and he always has been just for Trump. But where I jumped on him was he came out and bought ads calling for the death penalty of the Central Park Five, and I defended him. I never believed those kids did it. I fought them. They called me all kinds of names, and we ended up being right. He never would back down. Then he'd come and try to act like he was cool, support the Democrats. Then he came out with this of thing that President Obama wasn't a real American. And that was a race card. I told him that. I said, what you really playing on, he ain't one of us. He ain't an American. And that's racist. So I start calling him a racist on my TV show. He called me and said, how can you call me a racist? You know me better than that. How do I know you better than that? Because you went to a fight? Uh, I mean, come on. And I think that you're right. The choice is clear. What has he done when when we had the the young lady killed in Charlottesville because they were marching to take down the statue of a Confederate general? Here's a Confederate general who fought to keep us enslaved. Let's remember why they were in Charlottesville. They were fighting to say, we want to take the statue down of a man that fought to keep slavery. And to add insult to injury, Jason, and, and damage, we pay taxes for them to pay for the maintenance of these statues. So we're paying for them to maintain and clean and scrub and have security on statues glorifying people that enslaved our forefathers. And Trump uh, called these people good people on both sides. I don't think it's a, a, it's a it's a close call when it comes to Donald Trump. And I'm just giving you some of the highlights. How do you go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, Friday night? We ain't got to go back three years. Friday night, Saturday night. I'm sorry, Friday I was there. Saturday night. Speak a mile away from where they had the massacre of the Black Wall Street. Didn't mention it one time while everybody's out there marching in the street. Never mention George Floyd's name. Never mention eight minutes and 46 seconds. Spoke 90 minutes and never mention any of that. That's deliberate. So if you don't wanna be with us, why should we be with you?
1: Absolutely. We have a big election coming up and a lot of people in our community are talking about and pressuring and demanding a black tangible agenda. Uh, What do you feel about that? And if there was to be one, what does that look like for you, Reverend Al?
2: I think that we gotta have one. There's gonna be a labor agenda. There's gonna be an agenda in every area of American life. It looks like for me that we've got to demand laws that protect us from abusive police, laws that deal with mass incarceration, laws that deal with repairing the damage done, what we call reparations. We've got to bring this down to laws. We're going to outline a lot of that at the August 28th march in Washington because clearly if we don't need them to write us an agenda. I don't want Biden to write me an agenda. I want us to write it and bring it to them. And you commit to this and we will go with it. When I have my National youth uh, national Action Network Convention every year, last year, we couldn't have it this year because of the pandemic. I asked every Democratic candidate, will you support reparations? Will you support uh, uh, single-payer plan insurance? And from Liz Warren across the board, I had 15 of them there. We've got to make them accountable to us. I ran for president in 2004. Every area of American life I went to, I had to answer what they wanted in their community. They wasn't ashamed of it. Why should we be bashful about a black agenda? We were born black. We live black. We gonna die black. We
0: need a black agenda. Would you Would you ever go into the White House and work with Biden? Um, with Biden and them on policy? No, yeah. I, I I didn't go into the White House
2: with Obama, and I had access to him as much as any civil rights leader. I, my job ain't inside. You know Martin Luther King used to say there are two types of, of uh, leaders. There are those that are transactional; they make deals. You know, and that's good. They're businessmen or congressmen or they're transactional. The other type is transformative. And 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 you one is a thermometer. They go in the room and say it's 60 degrees in the room. The other is a thermostat. They go in the room and change the temperature in the room. I'm the man that go in the room to turn the heat up. I'm not there to make you comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable. That's my job. I, You know, I do a show at MSNBC. I joke all the time. They have two Al's that are in 30 Rockefeller Center. One is Al Roker. He gives you the weather. The other is Al Sharpton. He changes the weather.
0: <laughs> Listen, I think that's a perfect place to end it. But, um, you know, to your point, we're uh, creating a a national voter registration uh, initiative that I would love to share with you. I would love to, uh, you know, look to you for guidance and um, stay connected.
2: Let's do it and let's stay connected. Let's stay talking. And you and Damage got to come and do my show since I did yours.
0: Oh, I'm ready. And then, you know, this, this is like our first meeting. I said, somebody's going to tell Al about me. I got to be on my best behavior today. You no, know, anyway, what I'm going to tell you, my, not, the sister that handles
2: our communications, Rachel Nordlinger, said you got to do that show. She said, I know you tied up that day. I, she said, but take a half hour, please do it. And I'm glad she did. I could feel the good vibes. So let's stay, let's
0: stay connected. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a blow up man on the West Coast. So anytime you need me
2: to blow something out here, you let me know. All right, we got it. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. you. All right, bye-bye. What up YouTube? Thank you for watching this reckless show. Yeah, and hit that subscribe button and don't forget to hit the notification bell.
1: And also don't forget to share and leave a comment because we are reading.